was an Instagram account impersonating me recently, and this is just my reminder to all of you babes that I do not do readings. I will never ask if you want a reading. I will never ask you for money or donations in general. My only Instagram account is moonmatters.astro. I don't follow people randomly, and I definitely don't slide into DMs, no matter how cute you might be. (laughs) So please just really be careful when it comes to these scammers. I have seen so much of this happening lately, and it's just, it's really unfortunate, but any truly professional astrologer is going to have a website, and they're definitely not going to be reaching out to you through Instagram DMs to ask if you want a reading. So protect yourself and just be smart. It's the wild west out there on the internet and I would hate to see any of you babes like get taken advantage of by these people because they're really good at it. You know, it's what they do. Just be smart. Know that no credible spiritual account or spiritual person or astrologer or tarot reader or anyone like that is going to reach out to you via DM. They're never going to go out to you first. That's just not how we do business. That's not how people in this community do business. So that's my little PSA. Be smart, be safe, and yeah, don't get fooled by these people. All right, let's get into the good stuff now. You all know that I love to talk about the history and mythology of these placements. If a placement is named after an iconic figure, it's because it generally embodies the characteristics of that figure in an archetypal way. And Lilith is no exception to that. I feel like Lilith is a figure that has all these rumors swirling about her. She's like Regina George in Mean Girls. She's got a million different stories attributed to her, some of them rightfully so, and others are more of the whisper down the alley variety. Regardless of what's true about Lilith and what's taken on a life of its own through word of mouth, she's an archetype that spans various cultures. And let's just define the word archetype because it's one that I'm going to be using a decent bit in this episode. So an archetype from the Jungian perspective is a collection of symbols that represent an aspect of the psyche that are derived from the accumulated experience of humankind, which this is just a fancy way of saying that an archetype is a container for something that all of us have experience with in some capacity. The way you experience an archetype and the way I experience it will likely differ because we all have individual psyches and personal experiences, but the common thread through the human experience remains. We will all encounter Lilith just as we will all encounter the mother archetype or the trickster archetype. How we encounter it, that's going to change between person to person, but we all have the ability and the capacity to experience her on some level. The Lilith archetype has morphed and changed countless times, but from a religious and historical standpoint, there are a few things that remain consistent with Lilith. Lilith is high-key not a figure you want to worship. She is not someone to look up to or idolize. I know she gets spun as this wild and free woman who you can't keep down, but historically, that's not who she is. The one constant that Lilith has through almost every religion is that she's this child-stealing, child-killing force 
She gnaws on bones, she sucks blood, and she really likes to eat marrow. (laughs) That's one that kept coming up a lot, like she eats marrow. If she's not after your children, then she's dangerous to new mothers and pregnant people. People used to make talismans and they would carve prayers above doorways or on jugs to protect themselves from her, especially if they were pregnant or had very young children. The gnawing on the marrow signification really reminded me of Saturn for some reason, and she does have more of the negative qualities of Saturn to her at times. So if I was going to give her a planet, it would definitely be the malefic ones, Mars and Saturn for sure, just because of the nature of this archetype. But yeah, she just really is not the figure to look up to. She's very much a danger to women and children. The other most common signification that was attributed to Lilith across cultures was that she was a seducer of men and also sometimes a sacred prostitute. This signification came later in her development as an archetypal figure, and it's likely that it happened due to the merging of various goddesses together. But it was a signification that seemed to fit, and it just kind of stuck with her. When I was doing research on Lilith for this episode, those were the two things that kept coming up. She was a baby eater, mother hater, and seducer of men. I also saw that many cultures would refer to her as an owl. And that really stuck out to me for some reason. So I tried to like see more about that. And what I got was that she was often depicted as a winged nightmare, like this winged creature of the night. And she would also have bird feet. She was depicted a lot as having bird feet, but she wasn't like a wise owl, more like a screeching night owl. She was definitely portrayed as just something scary in the nighttime, something unknown. And honestly, in an odd way, this speaks to wisdom, but it's definitely a dark wisdom that can be dangerous to obtain. I know a lot of people in the modern day think of Lilith as this feminist icon, but historically, that's just not who she was. She's honestly notoriously not an ally to women and a force that was deeply feared. I'm not saying that the modern day significations are wrong per se. But I do want people to realize that historically and religiously, she's not always been what people make her out to be today. She's not always been considered this powerful, you know, allied figure. She hasn't been that historically and religiously. So I just want to make that really clear going into this. Now that we have a little background on Lilith as a mythological figure, let's talk about which Lilith we're going to be looking at. There are multiple Lilith placements in astrology, which should be a testament to her importance that a variety of different things have been named after her. The only Lilith placement I look at or work with is the one that people call the Black Moon Lilith. I do not personally work with the asteroid Lilith, so everything we're going to be talking about today is in reference to the Black Moon Lilith which before I go any further, can I just say that I don't like the name for this? I don't like using the word black to denote something evil or bad, because obviously that's an extremely narrow-minded way to look at things, and it has racist connotations, so I think we should honestly call it what it actually is, and that's a lunar apogee. I'd even be cool with lunar Lilith, because 
There is an asteroid named Lilith, so saying Lunar Lilith would clear up any confusion about which one you're talking about. So throughout this episode, if you hear me say Lunar Lilith or Lunar Apogee, that's the same thing. I'm referring to the same thing. Our Lunar Lilith placement is technically an Apogee. What is an Apogee? An apogee, as the word itself means, the highest point in the development of something or a culmination point. Astronomically speaking, apogee refers to the point at which the moon is furthest away from the Earth, which means our lunar Lilith represents the moon's orbit at its furthest point from the Earth. Our lunar Lilith is not a physical object. It's a fictitious point created from the moon's orbit. So when the moon is at its farthest point in its orbit from Earth, it's at its apogee, which is what we call our Lilith placement. The lunar Lilith takes about nine months to transit through each zodiac sign, which is extremely interesting to me considering how her mythology is historically about eating babies and being a danger to pregnant people. And we all know that a human pregnancy takes about nine months. So there's just a really interesting parallel there that I wanted to point out. I also want to mention that when I'm generating a chart, I use the mean calculation for Lilith. There's basically two points you can use, the mean and the true Lilith. The difference between them is the way the placement is calculated, and neither is technically wrong. Each astrologer will have their preferred reasoning for each method, and it usually doesn't change all that much. It usually changes by a couple degrees or so but it's always good to know which one you're using, and I personally use the mean calculation. Now that you've sat through the background building portion of the episode, you're finally going to be rewarded with the good stuff. I know y'all came here just because you want to hear the tea on Lilith, so we're going to talk about the significations of our lunar Lilith and what we can glean from it as a placement. I think this is a placement that often gets overlooked or completely misunderstood. If we think about the mythology of Lilith and how it relates to our psyche, we'll see that it can be really helpful placement for working with our darker aspects within ourselves. So let's start with some buzzwords. Power, darkness, blind spot, obstacle, and shadow. I'm sure if you've done any Googling of Lilith that the word power was used many, many times to describe her. And yes, power is a word I would use to describe Lilith, but this placement isn't about our personal power. It's actually about what has power over us. It points towards something that we succumb to, or we have a primal gravitation towards. It's sort of like those self-destructive habits we all have at some point that we really don't know why we keep doing it or why we keep falling into that cycle, but it just keeps happening. Even when we see it's negatively affecting us, we can recognize the pattern, but we can't get off the ride. That's the power that Lilith has over us. It's that gravitational pull towards the things that we know aren't good for us. She sings the siren song that leads us down the wrong path every time. And Lilith has been historically related to sirens as well because of her signification of seducing men. So it really is like a siren song. That's what this Lilith placement stands for. The siren song that will lead us astray every time. Personal power can be learned from Lilith, but she herself is not our personal power. Remember when I said she was a night owl? She does stand for wisdom 
but you have to learn to traverse the midnight path alone without succumbing to that siren song in order to learn what she has to teach you. Lilith does not want to inherently teach us or help us, but it's through kind of going toe-to-toe with her that we can learn the wisdom that she conceals from us. And that word conceals kind of brings me to the next significations, which are darkness and blind spot. Being that this is the lunar apogee, it's the part of the moon that is hidden from us. It's the farthest away. That means it signifies the things in our unconscious that we don't readily recognize and oftentimes would rather not recognize. When we first look at our Lilith placement, our gut reaction will likely be to push it away, say that it doesn't make sense, or just not wanting to admit that there's truth to it. This is because we're either not at a place where we can admit to our unsavory behavior and thoughts, or we literally just haven't recognized them as a pattern yet. This is why I say that our Lilith is a blind spot or some sort of darkness in our vision. Working with our Lilith placement takes a lot of courage, honesty, and self-reflection. You have to be so honest and objective about the way that you think and you act in regards to where your placement is. Doing any kind of self-reflection is not for the faint of heart. It is not for the weak. And especially if you're in the Jungian school, doing meditation and exploring your psyche in a Jungian type of way, working with your shadow, the number one thing that Jung always says in his books is you got to be honest and you got to be brave and you have to just look at your experiences for what they really are. That's the only way you're going to learn what Lilith has to teach you is by being honest. Lilith acts as almost an obstacle or an unseen force, but it's going to present itself in the most innocuous way possible. And we've seen this even in the progression of the archetype itself. In its creation, the Lilith archetype was born out of something dark and haunting. As it's evolved and moved through modern culture, it's somehow taken on this feminist, power-holding, girl-boss imagery, which in my opinion is exactly what the Lilith archetype would do. After studying this archetype and seeing how it's morphed in the psyche of the collective unconscious has really showed me that Lilith has used that as a way to kind of hide and remain relevant without being exposed for the dark force that she innately is. As far as Jungian terms go, she is absolutely part of the shadow complex. She is an obstacle, a blind spot, and basically a way for us to act out without realizing it or taking responsibility or accountability. If you're embarking on any sort of... uh, shadow work, or exploring your psyche through meditation, I highly recommend using this placement in order to do so. It has a lot of valuable information to our wounds and destructive patterns, kind of similar to Chiron. I think in my shadow work series, I even say one of the big places that you should look at are Lilith, Chiron, and Saturn. So those are the three placements I would look at if you're doing shadow work. And yeah, definitely include Lilith in your shadow work. That's just what I'm trying to say. Depending on how Lilith is placed within a chart will tell us how much havoc she can wreak and where it's likely going to happen in the native's life. When interpreting Lilith, I really only look at conjunctions. To me, that's the only aspect that matters with Lilith. You could make a case for the other dynamic aspects like squares or oppositions, but in my practice, I tend to only care about conjunctions. 
I give her an orb of about three to five degrees. I prefer three, but if there's not much else going on in that particular house, then I might extend it a bit. But I really prefer tight orbs just across the board. You need to be using tight orbs in your practice because that's really going to show you the important aspects and you're not going to get bogged down. So yes, tight orbs. I prefer three degrees when looking at Lilith, but I may extend it to five in certain cases. I talked about Lilith being a baby eater, and some of you were probably like, well, how does that relate to me in my chart? I don't want to eat babies. Well, I'm glad you asked. So take that idea of Lilith eating babies, but think of it as her feasting on something within our psyche that's in its infancy. It's a part of ourselves that needs developing or a lot of nurturing. And this kind of goes back to that whole thing about Lilith staying in a sign for nine months and then the whole infancy thing. It really just, it clicked for me. When I was looking at all of this, I was like, wow. So Lilith stays in a sign for nine months. And in that sign, she's uh, quote unquote feasting upon the infancy of that sign, what the native needs to develop. And until the native develops it or nurtures it or matures, it's always going to be that some, like something that Lilith can attack and get at. So while Lilith shows us where we act out or might not be very mature, it can also show us the parts of ourselves that need loved and nurtured so that it can mature and ultimately escape her grasp. It's high key probably always going to be something we struggle with or gravitate towards, but that's the nature of the shadow itself. We never destroy our shadow and we definitely don't drive it out of our psyche completely. What we can do though is learn to have a healthy relationship with our shadow and recognize it, especially the Lilith parts, because we can't just ignore it. One has ignoring anything when it comes to our development as a person been the answer? Literally never. To work with our Lilith and potentially overcome her influence, the first step is recognition. After that, it's about staying aware of your patterns, thoughts, and feelings. Her influence in your birth chart will always be there, but you can learn to recognize it and mitigate it when necessary. Since this placement is about deep personal struggles or things within our psyche, I think it might be hard to look at celebrity examples, but I do know someone who has their lunar Lilith in an exact conjunction with their Venus. And that, my babes, is me. (laughs) I'm going to expose my Lilith and kind of give you the rundown of how my Lilith placement ran my life for a really long time. Venus is conjunct Lilith in my birth chart. Immediately, that says shadows and darkness around relationships and connecting with others. This isn't exclusive to romantic relationships. This also has to do with making friends or just forming connections with other people in general because that's what Venus does. She's a benefic planet that wants to bring everyone together and create avenues of harmony or goodness. So when we put Lilith directly on top of Venus, like in my chart, we're going to see someone struggle with those things. So not only do I have Lilith on top of my Venus, but my Venus is in Sagittarius. So Lilith is in Sagittarius as well, which that's already a tricky spot for Venus to be in. We all know a Sagittarius Venus is more on the flirty and promiscuous side. So throw Lilith into the mixture and you've got a recipe for intimacy issues 
masked as sexual liberation. (laughs) And I know I can joke about this now, but it was truly kind of bad. I had serious commitment issues. I would cheat on pretty much everyone I ever dated. And I just had like this wall up as far as being able to connect on a deep emotional level with anyone really. I was a serial monogamist, which means I would get into really serious relationships and then just like dip out for no reason. Well, I say no reason at the time, but clearly I had issues, like unresolved issues. And then I would just start like the next serious relationship. It took a lot, and I mean a lot, of self-reflection and actively trying to pull myself out of that pattern to release me from it. Because it's not like I wasn't aware of uh, what I was doing was wrong. But I twisted the narrative into being this free, wild woman who had no care for others, and it was just such bullshit. (laughs) Clearly, I was hurting, and I wasn't allowing myself to really feel and connect with other people. The Lilith-Venus conjunction, again, is in my third house, so it was like a deep-rooted pattern that I had established. It honestly almost became a routine for me. I'm extremely lucky to have the people in my life that I do who have been so patient with me and showed me compassion while I worked through everything. And uh, I think I can safely say the worst of my Lilith days are behind me, but I do still struggle to connect deeply with new people and even just people in my life in general. I'm, you guys know I'm not an emotional person. I'm very open about that. And this is part of that struggle. It's not like I enjoy not having emotions. Yeah, it's easier, but I feel like sometimes I miss out on some of the richness that a lot of, especially the water signs experience. I feel like I miss out on a lot of that deep experience of just loving someone or something so passionately. And I really try, I've been really trying to connect with that more. It just takes me a really long while to warm up to people And that can be really confusing because I am so jovial and I really am good-spirited and welcoming. But at the end of the day, I generally have a lot of walls up. It's just how I am. It's a natural thing. But I, I work really hard on trying to break them down because, again, I look to water signs as my kind of uh, inspiration for this because they love so unabashedly and they just, they don't, not that they don't care, but like, They experience it. They dive in. They dive in wholeheartedly. And that's something I try to do with the limitations that I have. Again, like I'm talking about emotions right now and I'm I'm even a little awkward right now, but I really do think the wisdom and the power that I gained through working with my Lilith placement was that it's okay to feel and it's okay to put roots down in people. It's okay to invest emotionally in people. And that I didn't have to keep running or self-sabotaging. I could still have my freedom while exploring a deep connection with another person. Obviously, you babes know that I'm married, so it did all work out. You know, I I was able to form a connection. Yay me. (laughs) But I still have my days where I like being totally left alone. And luckily, my partner has a Sagittarius Venus, so he gets it. But yeah, it took a lot of honesty and peeling back the layers to look at myself and say, I'm the problem. It's me, everyone. Hello, I'm the problem. (laughs) But I highly recommend trying it sometime when you're ready. And that's just a quick rundown on my Lilith and where I'm at with it today. 
I know I haven't seen the end of her. I know there are going to be days when she rares up because it's part of your shadow. And I'm always going to struggle a little bit with forming connections with other people, but that doesn't mean it's impossible and it doesn't mean you stop trying. So in the next episode, I'll be doing an examination of Lilith through the houses and how she potentially expresses in those areas of our lives. I hope this helps you babes to understand the archetype of Lilith and how we can apply it astrologically through our lunar Lilith placement. It's not something that gives us power. It has power over us. It's a destructive force that brings detrimental thoughts and behaviors to the forefront, but with consistent effort, we can understand, nurture, and even soothe that area of our lives and part of our psyche. If you want more moon content before the next episode, find me on Instagram at moonmatters.astro. That is my only account. That is the only place you can find me. Make sure matters has two T's, (laughs) you know, no other dots, no other dashes at moonmatters.astro. I'll see all you babes later. If you're still here, I said on my Instagram earlier in the week that I would be putting on a song that my husband made for me. <laughs> he has been messing around with a synth like thing lately, and he made me a synth song, and I thought it was really cute. And just because, you know, I was talking about my Lilith placement and working through deep connections, I thought it was like, oh, serendipitous timing that he made me this little song. And I figured, hey, I'm going to put it at the end of the podcast just just because, just because I love him. And I want him to know how much I appreciate all the bullshit he puts up with. So this is a song my husband made me. Hope you enjoy it. Love you all. Have a great day. 